0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. All right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z. I'm Matt Fonslow, and I have the distinct honor of having a good friend of mine on. Um, I'm not sure you've heard of him. He's kind of obscure. He's one of those really relative unknowns. Uh, I'd like to help get his name out there. No BS. I'm not joking around here. He is one of the best things that have ever happened to this profession. But as good as he is at what he does for us uh, as a human being, I, I kid you not, as a human being, he is so much more, so much better. I mean, I wish I could say stuff like this without sounding you know, corny or like I'm blowing smoke up your tail. I'm not. I mean every word of it. Please welcome Paul Danner.
1: What an introduction. Thanks, Matt. I really appreciate it, man. Grateful for the community, the automotive community, and the way that um, I have been embraced. Just very grateful to be able to help others. You know, really, that's what it started with, and uh, and I'm glad to be here with you.
0: I got that on tape now, so.
1: That's <laughs> a- <laughs> no, for real. I mean, you, you and I go back a long way, like way before, I mean, really back to the IATN days.
0: Yeah, I only knew I you know as Paul D, not. though. Yes,
1: yeah. Paul D from Dash PA, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Didn't I wasn't scanner danner back then, anyway. <laughs> anyway, no, I, I was A-T-N still chat. working on my classroom. And were you in that one chat when we had this debate on on what actually created the pressure on top of the? I cylinders? probably started it,
0: and I I, that, I don't mean that breaking. I'm not. <laughs> I I put it in there once because I really wanted to know, and I thought I knew the answer, and I was wrong. I was way wrong. But I think that night, Burnclaw was in there, uh, Randy Burnclaw, Jim mm-hmm. Kemper, Matt Ragsdale, yourself, uh, Harvey Chan. And I'm almost yeah. positive John Riggle was in there.
1: I just remember it was Riggle that ran the – he ran the – like, and then he turned it over when it was done to the rest of us. And I'm pretty sure you were there. I remember that period of time vividly. Yeah, we were – Realizing, our- Wow. I really don't know what I think I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it started out in there, and then I put it on, uh, I think, the uh, one of the forums, the technical, I think it was the technical theory forum, and then that exploded with, Is yeah. it Robert Schrader of Bridge Analyzers? You had Keith Lawyer, who's a genius.
1: But you were there. I mean, I, I, that's Absolutely. my earliest memory of, of you, and I, I, I think I... Connected the dots years later, maybe when I got connected back with you, maybe at the Can Conference in Chicago, uh, one of those times. You know, I know you're real good friends with uh, the crew at AES Wave, and um, those guys have been just like family to me too. And so we got kind of reconnected that way. And I just remembered your name. Iatian you
0: Chap. Man, that's late, late, late nineties, early, early two thousands.
1: I was going to say early 2000s because I started teaching at the Roselle Technical College in September of 2000. And I remember I was teaching at the time when I was talking with you guys and I, you know, kind of thought I knew what I was doing. And then I get on this international automotive technician network and I find out that I don't know anything. That was a harsh <laughs> lesson, right? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, that's what this field does, though. It's like the more earn. The more you learn, you don't know. And, and that's what it has always felt like to me.
0: Finally figure out how to open that one door, you know, door of knowledge. <laughs> God darn it, there's three more doors behind that door. And then you open those and there's more doors and more doors. And I wanted yep. so much to be able to speak technically about stuff accurately. I want, you know, I want to know how stuff works. And I just remember reading stuff or I guess conversing via messaging on the chat room stuff by Burnclaw, stuff by Ragsdale, Harvey, that they could speak so specifically about so many things. You'd bring up something about cat monitoring, catalytic converter monitoring. You would make some sort of a statement and they could come in and be like, well, that's true on these car lines, but these other ones, that's different. And I so badly wanted to be able to do that. And that pursuit, I never got there because it just felt like, The more I learned, the less specific I could speak. I had to speak more and more generically and start explaining something. And then you'd be like, well, yeah, but that's not true on this. And that's not true on that. And they don't do this anymore. And they don't do that anymore. And so you're left sitting there speaking very generically.
1: And that's tough, too. And and the the longer you teach and you're in a classroom and. As you're talking, I'm thinking about, yeah, I taught something a certain way for years and years. And then I run into something that I either saw myself or learned from someone else. And I'm like, oh, I've been saying always and never for this particular circumstance. And and then you learn, yeah, it's, I just probably should stop saying always and never. <laughs> yeah. And just what you said, those you know, terms can't be used in a teaching environment anymore, I
0: swear. You started out working on cars, though, right? Did you, were you kind of a gearhead yeah. in high school or... <laughs> I
1: was a pothead in high school, uh, not not so much a gearhead. And a lot of people know this story with me. Like I, I took auto mechanics in high school just to escape high school. Like I had, you know, I had a pretty traumatic childhood, and you know that was tough in school and and books and all that stuff. Really, just didn't do it for me. And you know, I really took auto mechanics just to escape the high school. And I just thought it would be cool. And you know, I had an old '77 Dodge Power Wagon that I was my first vehicle and it was the biggest piece of crap and it needed work. And so, you know, I just figured uh, I'd be good, you know, good to take auto mechanics and learn some of this stuff. But we, you know, in high school, it was my own fault. It wasn't the high school that, uh, the Votech that I went to. I just, I really didn't do much there either. I just wanted to party and slack off. And, and honestly, it wasn't until after high school, my brother, my older brother went to Rosedale Technical College where, you know, that's my alma mater now too and where I teach and um you know he learned like more than I in two months being there he learned more than I did in two years in Votech but again my own fault and I followed her, and you know that's really where my career started with was with Rosedale where where i I am now so before I started teaching in 2000 so I graduated Rosedale in 93 I was in the in the field full time for eight years before I went back to T. So that's kind of where where all this began
0: you just saw an ad or that the website looking for an instructor or one of the instructors reached out to you or
1: yeah I mean, one,
0: one of the instructors reached out
1: to me his name's Dan Savitkone I, I really look up to him still to this day in fact I was talking with him earlier today uh, he's retired and stuff and you know he was like a father figure to me and had a good good grasp on electrical and electronic systems on cars and and I was just fascinated by it but I remember in class and really think he's talking about with electronics and electrical systems. And, and I was fascinated by it. And he's the one that got me on this path. And he's the one I ran into eight years later when I was in the field. He came into uh, the shop that I was working for. I forget why he was there. But then we ran into each other and he's like, hey, you know, Rosedale's looking for, you know, an engine performance instructor. And I'm like, well, isn't that the class you teach? And he's like, yeah, I don't I don't really want to teach that class anymore. I just want to do the the school and uh, systems and emissions and and we need to have a, a, an EP instructor that can come in and follow up you know what I'm teaching them and I'm like are you kidding me that would be amazing and so you know it, it was him and then I had to work with you know really my mentor for at least the the next 12 or 13 years before he retired oh, wow. so we got to work side together that, that would be pretty it was cool. awesome it was yeah the best thing ever it was really cool
0: then yep. you took the so, reins
1: and I took the reins and, you know, I don't know, you know, how deep we want to get into the whole scanner-danner thing and how that started. Um,
0: the gist of it is your intent was to upload the stuff so it was easily accessible for your students, having no idea good. or intent that it would garner a attention from, you know, professionals. And then Correct. it did.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, that's the gist of it, is I didn't set out to be a YouTuber like people do today. That wasn't even a term. I mean, when I started shooting videos it was like Charlie bit me and double rainbow guy, you know, uh, there wasn't like solid training material on YouTube. There wasn't when I started and I just used the platform cause I knew it was free and my students could access it. So as I was out, you know, troubleshooting at different garages doing my mobile diagnostic thing, cause I needed to make ends meet, you know, while I was teaching, uh, took a pay cut to teach. And that's pretty typical, unfortunate, but typical. And, and, uh, yeah, all of that paved the way. So, to what I'm doing now. So it's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: And what you're doing is uh well helping educate current professional technicians, educate them, help them get a deeper understanding of processes or just uh like theory, but I think a lot of it processes, you do a lot of really good process stuff. Appreciate that. Also young people, I, I think maybe not even young, uh just people looking to get into the profession. It's no secret, right? We're facing a technician shortage. And Paul, did you know Napa Auto Care is addressing that? I did two Yeah, they have a free two-year apprentice program that offers a variety of training to help produce technicians with three ASC certifications. Members can learn more That's by awesome. visiting member.napaautocare.com. That was too good a segue to pass up.
1: Well, you know, to speak on Napa for a second, too, bought another uh, Power Wagon. I just uh, came across the 78, like 30 years later, I have another Power Wagon. And those guys, Napa is the only place I get parts in the aftermarket. If I'm using aftermarket, I'm using Napa. And that's not a, I'm not being paid by Napa
0: to say that. That's just legit. That's what it is. Uh, I was talking to Justin Morgan about this, too. I think a lot of shops have nothing but the best intent for young techs when they bring them in. To try to bring them along to become productive, not just for the shop. Like, yeah, it'd be great for them to be producers, and you know, everybody makes money, and the owners make money, and all that. But also, that technician is able to earn themselves a very nice living, and you know, get be taken care of through retirement and all that. I, I think generally the intentions are good.
1: You're talking about with the with the Napa program that you're talking about. Yeah, that, that I think, or that, or yeah. just in general.
0: Well, just in general. The apprentice program just kind of helps with yeah. the path. Like, I think you get these texts and you, you want the best form, but you may not know necessarily what's the best thing to do. And, you know, I know I keep saying that and it might come off sarcastic and I, I hope it doesn't. A very popular thing to do and a very good thing to do is to refer them over to your channel, your videos, shops paying for the subscriptions to go to your website and whatnot and uh, watch your stuff because I, I just find the way you go about it resonates with so many different level of texts. Maybe you watch a video Appreciate and that. I don't, I don't learn anything technical, but I watch a process and I watch how you attack it. Uh, yeah. I watch, I watch when you make mistakes because I make mistakes <laughs> and now I get to see somebody else I look up to make mistakes, own the mistake, <laughs> learn from the mistake and go on to yeah. make a, a proper diagnosis. And then down the road, employ that and we get to see that we get to see you employ a lesson learned months ago years ago Uh, this would be a good time to cue
1: the airbag clip (laughs) (laughs) cue the airbag clip Uh, (laughs) what not to do like i said when i first started filming my my intent was you know i'm fixing these cars for these garages and i'm teaching these processes and I, i i i like to present that material to my class and i'll take digital photos and write it in in a PowerPoint or whatever, which became my book ultimately. But then I'm like, years later, I'm like, wow, it'd be awesome to, to film this process, to be able to show it live when you have an actual problem instead of still captures and then show the process through it. I always thought that the process was was just as important, if not more important than, than showing the final fix. Of course, we want to have the final fix, but showing the process involved. And all the twists and turns and, you know, how you come to a fork in a road and do, do we turn left or we turn right. And you know all of those things I really felt like were really important. And, of course, with that type of filming, that's not everyone's cup of tea because they they end up being longer. Uh, but with that type of filming, you capture your mistakes, too. I just never felt like it was important for me to cut them out because I wasn't trying to be something or someone or you know, in the later years, I've been doing this now since 2011 filming. And, you know, I hear those voices. Sometimes the voices get to me and ah, your videos are too long and you're so long winded. And, you know, those those voices resonate. But then I just keep coming back to myself and my roots, which is I'm not listening to that crowd. I'm not here to entertain you. I really want to teach. And I know that I'm not entertaining everyone. And I'm okay with that. I'm just I'm okay with that. I'm just me. And and honestly, this is why, Matt, I don't like to watch other YouTube videos and creators because it taints a little bit in my own mind, in my own heart, like what I want to do. Cause I I know I could do things better in certain areas. I know I can do things different in certain areas. And, and sometimes that's a good thing, but I, I feel like watching other creators is not healthy for me. And so I don't, I stay away from it. Maybe it could be positive if I would watch more because then when I encounter my first problem, on something that's been around for, you know, 10 years already. And I'm just seeing it for the first time. I'm not fumbling my way through it as much. And I look better, but I guess I just come back to, I just, I don't care to look better. I'd rather fumble my way through it and be like, yeah, that was dumb. And here's why. And here's the right path. And yeah, it makes my videos longer. And I don't know. It's, it's become a monster, Matt. Like ah, sometimes I, I I don't know what to do.
0: <laughs> Say a freight train. Say a freight train. <laughs> you know?
1: Freight train. It's been a freight train. It is a freight train. Yeah. And now my son's on board, and and he's involved too. And and you know, so now I, I just I have two families. I gotta I gotta worry about with this thing. So not just me, but also my son and his wife, and now my granddaughter too. So oh, nice. I'm a grandpa.
0: But I'm not complaining. It's like you said, though, it's the freight train sometimes where it just seems like it's out of control and you're getting pulled. Right. Yeah. Got to come over here and be this over here and I got to be this over there. And sometimes you're left in the middle, just kind of dancing, not sure what to do. (laughs) At least That's what I do. I don't know. You got it figured (laughs) out. out.
1: No, I don't really. I behind the scenes, man, I'm trying. I'm, you know. It, it changes all the time. The dynamics change all the time. And most people probably don't know that. Of course, I'm still at, at Rosdell tech. And I was there last week, I, you know, COVID run through the instructors and, you know, they need substitutes. And so I was subbing last week and I, I loved it. I have the day to day classes anymore. I'm there to, I'll teach a, a class uh, on occasion and then I'm there to substitute. And it's just, I had to do that because I can't, I can't keep up. I couldn't keep up with everything. And, you know, I'm here with my wife all the time and talking about, you know, trying to figure out where you are. And, you know, I've been with my wife now for twenty nine years. Well, we're coming up on our twenty-fifth wedding anniversary, and and this probably one of the hardest things that we've ever gone through. Which is strange to say. Like I you know, I, I think just being here as much as I am and trying to figure out balance and all of that has been really, really difficult. And we're we're still figuring it out.
0: So you know, you can jump my case if I'm assuming and we don't have to go. This doesn't have to go in any specific directions, but it's probably stuff I run into with my wife, family, historically. The difference between being pr- present and having presence or being present and yeah. present, if that makes sense, where mm-hmm. you're physically here, yeah. but you're really not here. You're yep. and by you. I mean me. I am off and la la la. No, you're in, correct. In the matrix. It's me too. Yeah. And uh, I'm in the matrix constantly. Yeah.
1: It's like every moment of every day. It's like hundreds of questions a day and emails a day that I can spend time on. And I know when I do that, you know, it it just increases the overall interest and increases the overall subscription base and and customer base when I do that. And so, you know, I find myself over the years, even with my my kids, you know, they'll come up and say, hey, dad, you know, and I'll be like, just a minute you know, just a minute. It, it's kind of, um, I find myself saying that like all the time and you're right. I'm, I'm home, but I'm engaged with a, with a potential customer or I'm engaged because I'm trying to help someone fix their car and, and not looking at it from a financial standpoint, but knowing that that will come anyway, but knowing if I can help this guy, I mean, it feels good to help people. But yes. then if I'm always saying to my wife and my kids, not right now, not right now, there's there to all fathers that if you say not right now to your kid enough, you know, when they get older and, and they move out and, and you want time with your kid, you, you know what their answer is going to be. <laughs>
0: not right now. Not, not right, right now.
1: now. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, in a minute. And, and so I'm hyper aware of that at this stage of my life. And, you know, one of the most difficult things that, that I've had to deal with, because like as men, we, we always want to strive to do best at our jobs. I mean, at least a lot of us do. Uh, I want to make sure I'm, I'm, doing the best that I possibly can. And if I see an area in my job that needs improvement, then I work over there a little bit and improve it. And I've always done that. The thing about this freight train, like you said, freight train, I have all these little areas that I can spend time on and make it better, but then to what end? So I have this huge business and it's so successful. And then I'm on this lonely, grumpy old man on by myself. Like, no, like I, I have to make conscious decisions to say no to yeah. anything skin or dander related at times. I do helps to have mm-hmm. my son, but I, I still, I still do.
0: It's that crazy work life balance that you're to strive mm-hmm. to figure out. And what is balance? Like, is it necessarily in the middle or can I be a little more this way or a little bit the other way? Yep. And then if I go too far this way, just, you know, for instance, too far on the family side Well, the family's happy, but now feeling it professionally and maybe <laughs> income wise or opportunities start dwindling and that ain't good either. Cause then for sure, you know, and then you go the other way and it's like, okay, well, you know, the bank account's got money in it and I got all these opportunities and choices I can have access to. And yet the, the family's not so happy because your seven year old tells you when you say, Hey, d- just give me a minute. Oh, what? You mean like three hours? (laughs) It isn't three hours. And no, he's actually (laughs) right. It's pretty close to three hours. In a minute, it'll be about three hours later. I'll come help you do whatever you needed me to help you do. But now it's your bedtime. So we'll do it tomorrow.
1: I'm with you. And I I had a moment, uh, you know, as I just picked up this new chuck, too, and I've been working on it in my backyard. It's been like a little therapeutic because, you know, I'm away from my computer, I'm away from my phone, and we've sought maybe three case studies the day before and I got Caleb in the editing room. And so, you know, he's good to go for weeks with three different case studies and spending too much time answering questions and, and keeping everyone happy uh, makes for me not being happy and being out in my driveway, like working on that power wagon, like with like laying on the ground with like this makeshift tent, it was absolutely awesome. I loved it. But then I'm thinking about things out there and you know, my wife's inside and she's handling Stuff and I'm, I'm like looking at this beautiful truck, and I'm like, this truck don't mean nothing to me without my wife being in the passenger seat, right? You know, like she was when she was 18 and I was 19. And, and, and you know, cue this picture, I'll send it to you. Uh, this is us, uh, you know, sitting in her parents' driveway. You know, leaning against my old power wagon, and that's kind of why I bought this new one. Like, we want to do that again together. You know, I want to do it with her. She's not going to want to do it with me if I'm pushing her away all the time because I'm worried about money and business. You know, just trying well, to figure it out, Matt.
0: Um, yeah, right. That's about all we can do. I'm I'm waiting for the video to come out where you tell us what to do. I got it all <laughs> yeah. figured out, guys. Have that answer. It's, it's the golden ratio, and this is the time yeah. you spend here. In-
1: well, I know I know what scripture tells me, and it says if you set your eyes on wealth, it'll make like wings of an eagle and fly off. So I'm aware and that's all that's not in place in scripture. You know, I think Solomon talked about that. That's the truth. I think that's like that with anyone. And I think it's important that you prepare for the future and you don't live in the now and all that stuff for sure. And I'm not saying you just throw caution to the wind because there's other counter verses that talk about the ant and how diligent he is and how he stores for the winter and and so you know there's a balance in there too with with where your focus needs to be. I think it really just speaks on if that's your only focus. Yeah. If your only focus is that it's gonna crush you at some point in time in your life. And then you see, you know, people get divorced and and have you know third and fourth wives and whatever and they're they're just not happy and they're miserable and sure they're they got this big giant yacht, but it's, it's a lonely place, man. I'll take a, an old, you know, rundown hunting cabin in the woods over the yacht any day. And I, I, and I like fishing
0: now. and then that yacht would start looking really good. No wait, No, the cabin's
1: <laughs> next to a lake. So you oh, fish right. on the lake. So there you okay. go. All right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, my wife, my wife's not down with the cabin in the woods. So and, unless huh. it's on water, but, but uh, no, she's, she's awesome we're grandparents. Now we're in a new stage of life and we're trying to figure things out too. And you know, our, our youngest is 13, oldest is 23. So we still have some time left on that front too at home, but those, those times are dwindling down too. And before you know it, it's going to, it's going to be me and her again. And you know, it's, it's, it's really a time that's dangerous for a lot of couples that have been together for a long time, because it's been the kids, the kids, the kids for, you know, 20, 25 years. And then all of a sudden they, the kids are gone and then they look at each other and they don't even know each other anymore. And that's, and and, and that's why they separate and get divorced. And I don't want that to happen. And, and, and that can happen to anyone. I don't care who you are. It doesn't matter what your religious beliefs are. It doesn't matter. Like if you don't aren't active in working on, on your relationship,
0: then you're in for some trouble down the road. The words you said about that, the, the kids are gone. And now it's just us two. And we hardly know each other. Those are words that came out of my parents' mouth. And oh, wow. they, they didn't get divorced. They're, I mean, yeah, I, I can't even imagine a world where they're not together. I don't want yeah. to either. That was a thing because right or wrong, it'd probably take us on a whole other conversation, not that it wouldn't be worthy of discussion, that the focus for, let's say, 30 years. So from the, the oldest kid to the youngest, like that 30 years, the focus was the kids. Yeah. Everything, every decision, all that was, you know, not that we were put on pedestals by any means. That was not the sure. case, but that's what they had in common. That's decisions involved and all that. And I don't remember my parents dating while we were young or growing up, like mom and dad had date night. I don't remember that, you know, th- they might attend a wedding together. I wonder that, like you're saying that enough time isn't set aside for the, the couple. Yeah. Dedicated date nights. You know that I know there's advice to go out there and date your daughters, Mm -hmm. have one-on-one time with your sons, and all that. What about significant others? Like it's important. In fact, Kristen,
1: uh, my wife, she just asked me last week. She's like, "Hey, you know, because I'm at home, work my schedule. It's it's kind of super flexible. I can really work any day or time or hour of the week. So I can take a Friday during the day when the kids are at school, and now we have no one at home." that we can make friday our kind of date day it doesn't have to be all day but like you know she was gracious and last week our date was me driving an hour away to pick up uh a set of bench seats for my power wagon that were like in newcastle you know an hour away from here and she was like let's go for a ride so that's pretty pretty awesome for her. i think we went to uh pamela's of course you cannot i don't you guys wouldn't know what uh pamela's is but, but it was pretty famous like when obama visited he actually ate there here in pittsburgh so it's a pretty famous small restaurant breakfast is amazing the potatoes that they serve best thing i've ever tasted ever so we went to pamela's for breakfast and then went and got power wagon seats so so that was date day last week
0: (laughs) yeah yeah that's pretty awesome most of our dates go to a movie (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> go, go but at eat. least you're doing that. At least you're doing that. There's nothing wrong with dinner and a movie, you know, like you're just one-on-one with your wife and it's good. It's, a, it's important. I, I don't put enough emphasis on it and, and I need to, you know, I want my wife, like I said, sitting next to me in my, in my new toy truck. Not, I don't want to be in that truck by myself.
0: Huh.
1: The truck doesn't mean anything to me without her. So have you seen it? Did you see the
0: pictures? I, yeah. I put up on. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Right. I mean, I, I don't want to imply you might I've been not understand how much, closely, but I've been watching it. Yeah. No, I know. You might not understand how much I love this
1: truck. <laughs> she understands.
0: It's no secret we're facing a technician shortage. Napa Auto Care has a solution with the Napa Auto Care Apprentice Program. The program was engineered by one of our own. Pete McNeil and Master Technician Jake Sorensen of McNeil's Auto Care in Sandy, Utah, realized that the problem of not having technicians available for hire was not going to solve itself and decided to take action and look at a different audience of individuals available for hire. A focus was put on younger individuals with the right passion, desire, and attitude to work in the automotive repair industry. Jake and Pete sought these individuals and developed a technician apprentice program to give them the training needed to become a successful technician in today's world the napa auto care apprentice program includes a comprehensive nine-stage curriculum that includes a variety of types of training classroom training videos exclusive to the apprentice program these videos provide an in-depth training from a successful master technician autotech classes instructor-led courses offered through napa autotech autotech e-learning Web based e learnings designed to target specific training topics. Hands on learning. The apprentice will apply the skills gained from the classroom training videos, AutoTech instructor led training, and AutoTech e learnings in the shop with the guidance of a mentor. The apprentice program curriculum is competency based, meaning an apprentice can move through each stage at a pace that best suits them. Most apprentices complete the program within two years. Upon a completion, apprentices will have earned ASE G1. A4, A5, and AC certifications, adding industry validation to the skills an apprentice acquires. Grow your bottom line. Having an apprentice in your shop will ultimately benefit your bottom line as they advance through the program. In most cases, as the apprentice develops their skill set producing billable hours, you will begin to see a growth in your gross profit by stage five. Keep your apprentice motivated with an apprentice toolkit. One of the largest entry barriers for individuals looking to enter the automotive repair industry. Is the cost of tools. Napa Auto Care has worked with our supplying partners to offer an exclusive comprehensive tool set, including a four drawer tool cart for all registered apprentices. To learn more, members can visit member.napaautocare.com. What's next? Even thinking beyond, you know, Scanner Danner and stuff like as retirement, you know, and I'm sure that's years away. Like we're talking down the road, but what's the goal? I, you know, the cabin,
1: Yeah, we have to be part time. It depends on what we consider a cabin too. So I I might be able to convince her. We just have to be not in the middle of nowhere. For me, I want to feel like I'm in the middle of nowhere. I I really want to be in the middle of nowhere. She doesn't. So I'm okay with a compromise that we'll get some property and something that maybe doesn't quite feel like the rustic cabin I want. I mean, beyond that, Matt, like that's more like stuff and things. And like you said, what, what's next? And so it's funny you use that word because my cousin who was just here over the summer, um, he lost his wife to cancer and he lost his mom and his stepfather within three months of each other, like within two to three months of each other, I lost his wife, lost his mom, lost his, you know, only family he really knows. He's on the West coast. He's in California. And he, he visited here. And when he left, he left a note for me because we talked about this. It was like, what's next? You know, What what's next for him? And and I, it really hit home for me, too, is like, what's next? Like, I know that eventually this will end for me, for what I'm doing right now, whether it be by choice or or by force, by circumstances by the market i'm very vulnerable i'm very aware of that you know that my platform's electronic and online and i know that if i say something you know who knows down the road what we're allowed to say and what we're not allowed to say and and, and i know that that is on the horizon potentially too and it could all go away and so i do think about i do think about what's next and i think it's important for all of us not just me that we're careful in how we live. And I think an important piece of that is, is debt. I, I don't think that we should acquire a ton of debt. I think we should live within our means. When our means change, then, then we're okay. You know, I kind of look at where I'm at and I, I really have a nice default because if it all blows up, I'm just going to go either a back to the classroom full time. Probably not. I think I'm done with that chapter not full-time. I don't want to do full-time too much policing the, the, the younger guys that don't want to learn. And I'm done with that. And I've been spoiled by my scanner danner community because I'm pulling from a, a high percentage of, of learners that want to learn yeah, because hungry. I'm doing it globally. They're hungry. And, and I don't have that in my own personal classroom. So, but my default would be, I'm just going to go rent at my brother's garage. He he bought a garage. I'll just go fix cars again. i I have a good default and I'm I feel uncomfortable with that,
0: you know? Yeah, and I I don't feel like when I'm watching those that it's a a persona that you're playing a character scanner danner that yeah. You genuinely enjoy working there, being there whether the camera was on or not. The yeah, camera's just you know, maybe yeah. a, the camera's a friend that you're conversing with. It is cuz it's my son holding it. <laughs> yes.
1: So it really is, Matt. And and like, he's gotten to know his uncle, like in ways that he never expected. He's gotten to know his dad in ways he's never expected. It's, it's been amazing. I do enjoy it. it. It's, it's awesome. But I mean, to go, you know, even beyond that is like, I think underlying everything for me is, is being able to help other people. That's pretty special. I haven't mentioned them before, but there's, there's a garage in Senegal, Africa that has my Pico scope, my 4425. Before I got the 4425A, that of course Pico sent me one, that I took my 4425 and I gave it to a guy um, who runs a garage. He so he's in the US, but he goes over there and they run a garage for the locals that it's a school/slash garage. So they're actually learning while they're fixing cars and it's putting food on their table that's where my Pico scope is. And I, I mean, he sent me a picture the other day of a waveform that they're doing on something using my scope and, and, you know, to be able to do something like that, it's pretty amazing, you know, and having the resources to do that's amazing. And like, honestly, you know, that, that to me is like more fulfilling than any thing material that you could name. And, And then he tells me, Hey, you know, you know, we're really struggling and, our electric grid is really bad and we try to work on cars and then our power goes down and we don't have lights and then we can't finish and we need this generator. And I said, let's make it happen. And we did. so there's a SD generator over there in Senegal too, that's running this shop. And so I, I don't know, I feel conflicted even talking about that because I think if you're doing those kind of things like on camera or talking about them in real public situations is kind of, becomes a look at me type moment and I don't want that but we're talking about what's next and like what drives me and and honestly that's it. Yeah,
0: I, and I don't I know, know what it'll
1: look like for me in the future.
0: Yeah. I know exactly what you're saying because the lesson I think you just gave was either individually or as a business to do things in such a way to be profitable and miserly enough smart enough with money that you leave yourself a certain amount, you know, whatever that may be percentage wise or dollar amounts or whatever that you can do the stuff you're talking about, which is, it kind of reminds me of uh, David Ramsey type stuff where that's kind of part of the whole deal. And I don't, I don't think it's just Dave Ramsey, but you know, he's a popular one where part of the goal is to have enough uh, wealth and room to be able to do nice things like random acts of kindness. Yeah.
1: And when you don't have all that debt hanging over you, you can, that's what you find that you can. I mean, honestly, as this, this exploded on us, like our, our first goal was to be debt-free and and we, we are currently debt-free and I, you know, I just sold the, you know, probably two of my stupidest purchases was the RV and the motorcycle and they're both gone now. And when I bought the power wagon, I, sold the bike to buy the power wagon. So I didn't have any debt there either. And the house is paid off and we don't have car payments. And and I just really feel like it's important to stay that way. And exactly what you said, Matt, which is you have a moment that comes in front of you. You are more than happy to meet that need. It might be someone personal. It might be uh, someone that you know, a friend of a friend, and you know it's real and you see that need right there in front of you and you can meet that need. (laughs) You can have any material piece in the world. I'll take that over that any day. I mean, yep. just the way it makes you makes you feel inside, pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, meet the need all on your own, or yeah, man, pay, take a big chunk at it, or be a yep. contributor to you know the piece, whatever that may be. You know, yep. One example is probably like Adam Gashi's daughter. You know, there's so many people that contributed to that.
1: I and, don't know. Uh, I
0: don't know about that. What what happened? Well, oh, this is quite a few years ago. It might be 10 years ago. Wow. Time sucks. You know, I know I talk a lot about physics and stuff, but I don't care. Time sucks. And her name's Stormy. She had a heart issue with her heart. You know, they did the fundraising and Eric Ziegler was very involved in trying to raise money. And I'm positive that it was discussed on uh, Carm's podcast. I'm positive. To be able to contribute. And so if you read through some of the contributions, like... You recognize the names; they do it for the same reason you do. They budgeted and all that to have the ability to make a contribution like that. And yeah. I, I, I know exactly what you're trying to say because it sucks when you're trying to. Yeah. You're not so much saying like, "Hey, look at me, look at what I did." Give where's my pat on the back? Yeah. Where's my, you know, spotlight? It's no, no, no. If yeah, can- yeah if you work your numbers a little bit. And tighten the belt here and tighten a little bit there. And like you say, try try hard not to go into debt that you can do these yep. things too. And maybe it's make a contribution to a fundraiser like that, to a you know a fellow uh, colleague, professional colleague, or yeah, the sure. next door neighbor. I agree with you that yeah. there's not too many feelings in the world that top that, no. the ability to it- do stuff like that.
1: And what's cool is you mentioned a neighbor like it doesn't even have to be it doesn't even have to be a financial thing. I have a snowblower and I live to a single older guy on the one side who's in his 70s with you know health conditions and a widow that's two doors up and then another single guy that's in probably healthier. But like I did all three of their driveways when we got the foot of snow the other day and I'm out there. I just loved it. Like, they didn't ask me to do it. I just did it. And, and like that kind of thing, you just can't put a price on that, you know, because I I really feel like I'm a, I'm a man of faith too. And I, I know that, you know, that my God is smiling on me in that moment. And that's all I need. I don't want their money, of course. And I don't want the praise and I don't want any of that, just to be able to do something for someone else to not be just so self-absorbed. Like don't we live in a horribly self-absorbed society? You could say that about myself too. Like I may, you know, I think I'm in danger of being self-absorbed because of what I do. And I think I actively try to do things that aren't that on purpose. And I, it was just the best thing ever, man. I just felt really good. And, and i would do it, over and over again. But you you still
0: have to. your wits about you, though. You're you're very much aware of it. You know, and yeah. there's so much in our society that drives us towards that yeah. mentality and not recognizing it, but you do. And it's the, the reality of listening to you talk and watching you operate out in the world that there's so many that don't recognize it. It was looked up for us quick. The uh, episode about Stormy is... Uh, Remarkable results podcast, the uh, episode one ninety two, uh, nice. Eric talks about it,
1: and that that was a lot of uh, the community stepped in and helped, uh, is what it sounds like for that. Yeah, yes, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. The, the, we really have a great tight knit community. We really do, and in, in a lot of circumstances, and you know what? Not to change the subject, but like what something you said talked about Ric Flair and being a wrestler <laughs> and being an advocate for for his industry and I that still resonates with me it really does and and I I want to thank you for that because I think at times and, and you know you can of course go back and watch some of my videos and I, I really harp on engineers probably more than I should and I'm it's really not even the engineer that, like I'm misinformed and you know complaining about these flow charts and it, it, you know those types of things and but that that has changed some things for me I think I, I'm I'm more careful and and in what I say. Sometimes I say things in a heated moment and they're not accurate uh, often. <laughs> so you guys will have to forgive me for those moments. But I think being an advocate for each other is important. And I think we have a good base that we are. We are advocates yep. for each other, especially in all the Facebook groups and people in the same names. And, the, you know, we're all doing the same thing. We're all trying to make this feel better and fix
0: these stupid cars. And there's got to be some credit to Carm Cause I think you're talking about a, for the record and it was number 50. I had been thinking about that for so long and there was no outlet. I didn't know yeah. what to do with it. It was awesome. Yeah. It's, it was on point. 100%. Just like you said, it was resonated because in general, uh, tech shops are pretty quick to throw each other under the bus. And yeah, here was the guy who rose to the top and, just so revered not and not just within the world of professional wrestling like he's he might be kind of one of those stars amongst stars in that i've caught clips just watching um a basketball game rick flair turns out is a avid avid sports fan and he walks up behind the uh the crew for like boy i think it was like the nba so shaq and charles barkley and uh, whatnot? He walks up there, and they see him, and it's four people turn around who are all in their 40s and 50s. Next thing you know, what are they doing? Woo, woo uncontrollably, woo, woo. <laughs> yeah. That story that's cool resonated with me. Like you said, that. um
1: Well, and you sharing that resonated with me. It was like, uh, how often have I thrown a fellow ignition or garage under the bus like prematurely when I shouldn't have? And I got my ass handed to me by an 86 Mustang, an 86 Mustang. <laughs> I, why is, why does that even happen? And I, I don't know. That's our next series that we're producing. So matter if it w- Would if that I have been TBI
0: yet or was that still carbureted? No,
1: it was a, it was, no, it was a, um, a five Oh, you know, multi-port Eek oh, you know, 4 okay. system. It was a, bad ignition module, Matt. It was four different bad ignition modules. And and when you have that and you understand the system, you know, it's coming up. I don't know when this is going to be produced compared to that. And uh, anyway, so some people are going to know the end of it. It's going to be a multi-part series because I share all of it. And, but anyway, the tie in there is it it came from a garage. So the car died on him. It had a new distributor put in it. So it has a new pickup, and new module. And then the car has a real bad misfire. And that's really where it started. And we were very, very careful not to throw this garage under the bus. And I'm glad that we did not because it was not this garage's fault. If they would have gotten a good part, that's where it started from. If they would have gotten a good part, we would we would have never even saw the car. And then I ran in circles because you know it's a new distributor, it's a new module. And then my brother throws a module in it, and that didn't fix it. It's the same exact problem. How do you have two modules? dropping coil control like intermittent coil control just dropping it out just randomly like why why there's no way that that's another bad module and ultimately two more modules later before and you know where we got the last one
0: I want to say the, the last dealer, module that
1: fixed it nope. the dealer don't make them any, they don't make them anymore so it's different now you're working on 86 you're not yeah. calling the dealer and getting a, a, a TFI ignition module <laughs> you're just not it was napa
0: napa ah. is the one that
1: It was NAPA, NAPA part, when I said that earlier, that was no, you know, not me exaggerating. It was absolutely, you know, who I deal with and who we like to deal with. And we've seen this before. I mean, sure, you know, I've also, you know, had an Eklund brand purge valve that, you know, didn't meet standards on a Hyundai and was still setting EVAP leak codes too. So nobody's perfect, but it was the NAPA part that NAPA module that fixed it. Part one's me running in circles. Let's see. Part two is the new module fixed it for like five seconds and then did it again. And then we thought it was a connector problem yep. and it wasn't, you know, how the, you know, yeah, have the pigtails and, yep. and I'm wiggling the pigtail and it's stolen, but I can't make it consistent. So then in between that, you know, then part three is my brother fixes it off camera by putting an, uh, an Apple part in it and I come back and film the after and the good waveforms and we talk about it. And so that's, but dude, Got my freaking ass kicked by a E4 it, Mustang, like
0: yeah. Yeah, did that it hurts. have the TFI? Was that yeah. mounted to the distributor, or was it the it one was. mounted? Okay, yep,
1: the one mounted to the distributor. Yep,
0: yeah. <laughs> yes, so, 1986. This is a <laughs> yeah. good problem. It's got good diagnostics. Good diagnostic process needed, yeah. and it's a and it's a a cluster just because of uh, bad new parts. Yeah. Are you going to get a bunch of crap from? Yeah. The peanut Gallery prob- about putting up videos Probably. on 1986s? Yeah.
1: yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I <sighs> not a bunch, but I do I do hear that. I don't worry too much about that. To those who know, it really doesn't matter in my opinion. It doesn't matter year, make, or model of the car on certain processes. And you can learn the same thing on that at 86 Mustang as far as coil control uh goes. Uh, where you have a coil primary dropping out, and then you're thinking about, okay, is it an input problem? Is it a wiring problem? Or is it the computer's control of this? Or in this case, is the computer even in control of this transistor? And it's not, by the way, when this, with the spout connector unplugged. The module does everything. And so those, uh, that approach would be no different than if you were working on a 2020 model year coil unplugged vehicle and you have no coil control and that you're doing the exact same thing it's no different in fact I was doing a blower motor issue and I filmed it on my power wagon 78 power wagon with a blower motor that's running in low speeds and I got voltage drop problems all over the harness and like I'm doing the same procedures on this 78 power wagon blower motor that I would be doing on a I don't know an air ride suspension on a navigator It's, it's really It honestly is the same thing. And so I do, I guess the short answer is yes. I get some flack. You know, why aren't you touching some newer stuff? And I do, it just takes me a longer time to see them now. That's all. That's not what always
0: breaks. The old stuff breaks in some of the most wildest ways, either through time, like in your case with the corrosion and whatnot, or somebody else has already been in there over the years. Mechanics, technicians over the years being in and out to doing whatever, not saying they're like the direct cause that it was at shop A and now it's at shop B and shop A broke it. No shop A, B, C, D and E have serviced the vehicle for 20 years and now it's got an issue that, okay, ultimately maybe it caused by them, but it took 20 years, 15 years to manifest itself. And it's not like the service information for the uh, 1986 Mustang was so much better. Do you have a PCED sitting there to reference and the Ford uh, manual? No, I,
1: I honestly, because I've worked on – that's what's nice about working on the older stuff too for for those of us have been in the field for a long time is like I really didn't even need the service info. I, I knew exactly what I was dealing with. I, I knew the top wire was the pip wire. I knew where the spout wire was. I know I know the power wire – because it's the same power wire that's feeding the coil. It's the same color. And I knew they were shared, you know, so honestly, my brother had like a a diagram up, but I I hardly used it on that. I I just, I knew the system and I still got my ass kicked by it. So,
0: well, I mean, and if you're not familiar with the terms PIP, SPOUT, you got to go look it up. You got to go figure it out. Yeah. uh, You know, and then the hall effect inside the distributor and connects directly to the TIFF module or the ignition control module and put jumper wires in between the hall effect and the, I did. That was part two. (laughs) That was part two. (laughs) I knew
1: it was a processed PIP signal. And I just, I didn't remember if it was the signal directly wired into the hall effect or if it was conditioned first before it was sent out. And what I learned with putting jumpers in, because now I'm measuring directly, it was an identical signal to what I'm seeing on the top PIP wire external to the Mars one. I, I ne- didn't realize that. I guess I thought it wasn't exactly the same because I didn't expect to see the little clip mark of the spout You know when timing's taking place from the PCM. I didn't ex- expect to see the clipping on the actual Hall Effects signal itself, and it is there. I was, I was surprised to see that. And nowhere in that video did I talk about it. So this is actually nice that we're talking about it right now, although most people have no idea what we're talking about, but that's okay. Well, they assume I know what I'm system, talking about, but... <laughs> that video is coming out we'll see how how that's received but uh i'm glad you brought up older vehicles i think that uh it's important to have a good perspective and you know as i from my classes over the years and recorded everything i started recording like in 2012 so of course a lot of the uh, case studies i might be using to to tie all the subject i'm trying to cover now it's an older case study and some people might come and look at that and be like, "Ah, that's older stuff." He's he's not teaching the newer stuff and that couldn't be further from the truth. Uh in my opinion, uh, it's not just my opinion. I see people all the time that go through what I'm offering and they're they're succeeding greatly in our field working on the newer systems. And of course, you know, I I do have newer stuff there too, you know. I I, I get my you know, my ass handed to me on a can network issues too. But, you know, to be honest with you, like that's no different from what I've found as far as any other random intermittent open circuit. It's just as frustrating. So same approach, same process. You just need some, a bit of foundational stuff to help you. And then you're off and you're doing the same thing that you've always done, you know, on a 2018 Duramax that, you know, I got a five part series on my, on my channel and it ultimately was an open in the, Junction block, an intermittent open in the junction block, like above where your foot is, like, you know, catching it, duplicating it was key, just like any other open circuit. You can have a code, you have all this direction and path, but if it's not doing it when you're looking at it, good luck. Uh, There is no magic wand.
0: Yeah, a solenoid is still a solenoid. A VR sensor is still a VRS sensor. It doesn't matter what year it's in. And arguably with the 86, your scan data was either non existent. Very, very limited. Yeah, Extremely bothered. Right. Yeah. Extremely slow. Right. Right. Unless, unless maybe you had an NGS yeah. and then you could uh, cut PID numbers down and got the speed up, uh, refresh rate up. But right. generally, right. very limited. Uh, I don't know if you had a breakout box installed and you're u- using that I and did not. Chicken pins 40 yeah. and 60 for ground. And boy, if we right. think about it, I could probably remember 56. It's a 26 and 56 for power. That doesn't nice. sound right.
1: No, I think you were right on 40, yeah, 40 and 60. I remember that. 40 and 60 like are ground for sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: I think yeah, 29 I was 0 uh, O2 sensor. Boy, oh boy. It's been a long time nice. since I've had to put a breakout box in. I got two, uh, two uh, EEC 4s and then I got an EEC 5 because that's what you yeah. need.
1: I remember seeing that in a flow chart the first time. It's like install Bob. I'm like, who's Bob? <laughs> I don't know what Bob what is Bob. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was made fun of Ford. Ford with their boo switch. What's a boo switch? Oh, <laughs> break break on off, off switch. Yep. oh thanks, Ford. <laughs> That's what I say to Ford fu- fuse boxes too. Boo. Like, come on, <laughs> mark your fuse box. Not with numbers. Tell me what that fuse is. For sure. <laughs> yeah. And then you know, I, I get the bonus. And I just said this in my last video too with my brother. So, you know, he bought the shop. And so what he'll do he gets these basket cases in, and he don't want to work on them. And he knows that I'll spend the time and do it because I want a good video out of it, so it doesn't matter. And and so then I, I get all Danner—that's what I call him—is my my brother. I call him by his last name. I get all Danner's crap work, <laughs> but that's okay. It works out for both of us.
0: What have you seen as an evolution, or have you seen any changes in the training environment itself? Uh, how techs want to be trained or are getting their training from? back when you started to now, or the preferred means of getting oh, it? Oh man,
1: it changed on me, I guess, as I was doing it. I wasn't really following another instructor to put this stuff out there the way that I was. And I never, I never intended it to be anything but for my personal students. But what I've seen, I think we already touched on it is a problem in our field, map with the right people. And it really stems from even when I was a kid in seventh and eighth grade, which would have been in the 80s, they start steering you toward college, college, college. It was like all you heard about in school was like, what college are you going to? And so we've kind of generation or two or three uh, away from the trades uh, because, oh, you're just a grease monkey. That's, you know, the persona that still exists. And I think that's part of it. But unfortunately, what that means is in my personal, with my personal students, I really could work with one out of 10, Matt, one out of 10, maybe two out of 20. If I'm lucky, I get a class of two out of 10 that I can work with. And I say work with as far as not intelligence. I'm not talking about intelligence when I say that, but a certain type of mind there, there has to be a certain mindset that you have to possess, that you can't be taught. And and I believe that I'll use my wife as an example. She is super smart, but hates variables. And what I do, everything's a variable. And so it makes her mind uncomfortable. She doesn't want to dwell there. And if your mind's uncomfortable and doesn't want to dwell there, then you're never going to be good at it. And so then we just push this, this type into the field because they don't have direction or anything else. And, and like, they're not fixing the cars. They're not fixing the cars. Like I said, what I've seen drawing from an online class now is it, it made me like my own personal class less. <laughs> it, it should be the opposite, but it's not. It's like, I can put this video out here to the, to the global class and they eat it up, come back into my class. And I'm talking about it. And this guy's on his phone and, this girl's not paying attention. And you know, this guy's sleeping and this guy comes in like missed the whole lecture. And he's like, what I miss? And I'm talking for like 50 minutes. And I'm like, everything. <laughs> you know, I don't know. So I, I don't know that I answered your question. I'm not sure, but that's what I, I've see. Like the evolution of training is the internet's changed the game for us. I think it has tremendously. And it started with you and I back at IETN. I, I got in touch with some techs over the over the planet. And I'm like, who are these guys? I thought I knew what I was talking about. And I really don't. And then we all experience that on a daily basis. We're like watching each other and we're learning. And we're like, holy cow, that's that's awesome. Like, I never knew that. And like, information is just transferring so fast now. So that's we a get, big
0: part. That's a big part. We were so lucky, though. We got in there. It's such a good time. Because it really did. IATN was not around as that long. So it was still a concentration of those that were just extremely passionate about doing what they did and and finding others that could challenge them or me- put measure themselves against and converse. Yeah. And then you find out that there's these people out there that understand vehicles in general or certain systems on cars on a level you didn't even know existed really.
1: And yeah, then to sure. be able to
0: interact with them a little bit, especially in the in the chat room and then even in the forums and reading those forums and figuring yeah. out the names to follow. And even though, even though there wasn't like a follow function, you could seek out. You, you knew which names to click for sure. on. If somebody responded to something, I, you knew who to click on. That's it's like you.
1: You don't know that. I, I stalk you still. <laughs> i don't know why you would waste your time <laughs> i do if i if there's something going on and it's a conversation i definitely want to hear what what matt has to say
0: it's, it's probably so, sarcastic and just looking to get a rise out of somebody nah we got in such a good time and then it got promoted and promoted and and, and understandably so but then it gets diluted and yeah. and then you kind of have a better reflection of society And that's what it is. It became a better reflection of society and it became a different type of resource, more of that just in time type of resource that like, I think what you're saying with the internet is now there's so much stuff just in time. Like I I don't need to know how this works. I just need to know the right keywords or the white, right way to search. That'll take me to either a forum, a enthusiast forum, a YouTube video shows me how to do it or what to do you know, playing the statistics or the probabilities game, they're going to win. They're going to win a lot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and
1: then some of them too are taking it to the, to the next level. They're doing that. And then they're figuring out in hindsight what the problem was. So they'll go one step further and then they put themselves out there as the expert. Yep. (laughs) Yep. And so I see that too. I see that too. And it like makes me like cringe. I'm like, come on. Like I, Maybe it's my own ego too, but I just, I refuse to do that. I I would rather fumble around and look stupid on camera and have someone come in in the comments, be like, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, well, yeah, I did show you that. It just took me a while to get there, you know, but I figured it out on my own. I wasn't, I wasn't doing a Google search and watching somebody else fix it and then just shoot my own video and, and say, look how cool I am. You know what I mean? Yep.
0: Yeah, that intellectual that irritates irritates me. Irritates me, Matt. I don't even know how to protect it. A lot of references back to the mothership with uh, remarkable results. But you and I were in a couple of podcasts talking about that. Like I was arguing that uh, certain repercussions of uh, the YouTube type stuff, not just YouTube, but any any platform. You know, YouTube ultimately is a hosting platform. But doing exactly like you're saying, and your one in ten number that resonates with me. Because thinking back to my two year, there's more than twenty of us in there, but I'm clicking through all the people that I was in class with or graduated with in school with, none of them fixed cars they they got yeah. out in there and they couldn't hack it and then my third year, quite a few it was less, but it's probably right with that number, one in ten, yeah. I think there's really two of us out of you know fifteen twenty yeah in cars anymore.
1: That's a shame. And honestly, that extends too to the garages that can actually troubleshoot. I think the ratio is the same. Uh, no wonder the customers don't trust us if nine out of 10 shops are throwing parts at the car. Those same nine out of 10 that aren't troubleshooting, they're just reading codes and changing a part that the parts stores do for free. Then we've created, you know, it's not just the, we can't just point our finger at the parts stores because nine out of the 10 garages are doing the same thing, but they're charging $120 to hook up their scanner and say, oh, it needs this part. And, the, and if you're only 50 to 60% right, which may be the ratio if you can read a code and change a part, I don't know. Is the number that high, Matt? Maybe 50, 60% ratio. That's horrible. Take a written yeah. test and get a 50 on it. That's a failing grade. It should be, it shouldn't be that ratio. It's it should be, you're missing two out of a hundred. You're missing three out of a hundred. Even one in ten, I think, is too many as far as missing a call. Uh, you got to be diligent, and people just—the garages aren't aren't doing it, and the customers are frustrated. So no one don't want to pay because when they find a shop that actually does proper diagnostics, they don't want to pay because they've been tainted yep. by all the other garages. And it goes further. One more instructors. Yep. Same same ratio. One out of ten, Matt. I've been teaching long enough, 20 years to see it. We have a good, a good ratio at Rosedale Tech, but I've seen enough that the ratio is the same all the way through the field. It's really unfortunate.
0: I'm scared your numbers even optimistic because it might yeah it might there's be. been a few uh, yeah there's been a few things uh, functions I've been to with instructors from high school and college that the fire's gone. And I don't know if the fire was taken from them. I don't, you know, you would know far, far better than I would the environment. That it, was you, never the, it was never there. <laughs> <laughs> for those, it was never
1: there. Those ones were just like, they figured they're going to go teach because it'd be some cushy job. And they're tired of getting greasy and dirty and they, they just want to do something different. That Those are the ones that, it, if there isn't some passion for the field, then you have no business being in the classroom. I have seen it dwindle too over time, but you know, with a good instructor. And over time, they, they become cranky, but I think for the most part, it's, they just never had
0: it. They don't yeah. belong in the classroom. Yeah. I don't really remember in, in college, tech college, uh, people walking in late. I mean, if they did, it was me. Uh, I don't, <laughs> yeah, me too. seriously, i not, not breaking. <laughs> it was me. Of course there weren't cell phones. So the right. distractions were minimal and you know, everybody was there when the, The bell, well, the way I don't remember a bell, actually, we didn't have a bell, but that you know, the class started at 8 a.m. Pretty much everybody was there. If they weren't paying attention, they were staring at the ceiling or reading ahead in the book or you know, whatever. I could see over time, especially that you're trying to win the attention because you're competing for the attention to teach them this, to show them how to go out and you know, what's turning into a really darn good career, maybe not turning into, it's been a really good career, but I think as of late, like the last five, seven years, it seems like incomes are starting to go up. Benefits packages are going up. We're starting to get treated more and more like our uh, other uh, skilled trade contemporaries and stuff like that. Right. You would start thinking so poorly of the students and people coming in, in the future. Just, you know, I've battled through this year and, one student or two students that shows some promise, but the rest, what a waste of time. I know. And that's the, you know what? You got the next crop coming in and you're like, yeah, I wonder if I can predict which two will be successful.
1: I usually within the first week of class, I I already know who they are. So,
0: you know, I have friends that do training and they repeat the same class multiple, multiple times throughout the year or years. And No, they tell me every eight, every eight weeks. Yeah. 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 They tell me that after presenting it X amount of times is when you actually really know your material. And I don't know that I've ever presented anything three times in a row or two times in a row. I don't know if I could
1: say the class that I taught and it took me, you know, probably I get that question sometimes is, Hey, when when are you going to write another book? And I'm like, never, because (laughs) the book that I wrote was like, I worked on that for 10 years teaching that same subject where I'm talking about a specific piece and, and area and system on a car. And I have a, maybe a picture and a case study to go with it to emphasize the topic. And that I probably taught that same concept a hundred times before I really felt like it was perfect, not perfect, but like it was the perfect piece to use to emphasize that point. And I'm not going to change it. But, and then when I, I produced this thing in like 2011 is the book is, and then I started teaching on the book is like, I, I just can't duplicate that again because I had 10 years off camera to practice for what you see the next 10 years on camera. Does that that make sense? Like people think I I just can't do, I just can't recreate it. Oh, I take that back. I could recreate it, Matt, but it would cost me my family (laughs) and I'm not willing to do it. Yep. It would. Uh, it absolutely. Yep. Hands down would cost me my family because I would need to go back full time and teach every day and build another one. And then, you know how it is. You write a class and then you talk about something that you wrote and then somebody asks you a question and you're like, oh, I didn't think of that. And then that becomes part of your next class. That question that you didn't think about that now you're addressing that question. And before you know it, then you got people that are watching your classes and they're like, how did you? read my mind like that because they're asking that same question and it isn't reading minds. It's, I've had that question before. I know what you're going to ask me here and it's X, Y, and Z. And there's your answer. And you know how many years it takes to do that? Like I can't duplicate it Mm -hmm. and I'm not willing to lose my family to, to duplicate it. So I'll just, you know, I'll take what I have. I'm comfortable with what I have. I know I can, you know, teach a guy that knows nothing and bring him in if he's hungry and, and, uh, build a foundation and, you know, uh, open the cage door, you know, fly off a little birdie, go do your thing. That's kind of my viewpoint of it now. And I'll film the case studies as they go. And I'll write a, a uh, class here and there as I go. And that's, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. The foundation's there and
0: let's let it ride. Yeah. It's one of those books everybody should have as a professional. Um, I mean, as a newbie,
1: just know it was written for newbies, though. It really was. It was written for someone who knows nothing about any of this stuff and wants to learn about it. It doesn't have to be a new technician, but a a new guy to troubleshooting. You you never were good at electronics, and maybe you've been in the field for 20 years even, too. It's good for those guys, but it was written. The students that I would have at school would be very, very green, so it was written with that kind of – uh mentality in mind over the years you know with the other lectures and things and i you know i bring bring some other stuff in to help the guys that maybe are in the field or honestly what that boiled down to is i just got tired of teaching the same thing so i wanted to advance it a little more so i'm i'm bombarding (laughs) these new students with stuff that i probably shouldn't be that's kind of what happened over the years but that's okay too
0: yeah my copy go back
1: and Press pause and rewind. <laughs> yeah,
0: my my copy is on a bookshelf at work, sitting next to my Internal Combustion Engine Fundamentals by John nice. Haywood. I didn't so know you there. had one, Matt. Thank you. I didn't put it in Alphabet. Did, bit did Carlos give it on the other side? Did Carlos give it to you, Carlos? Yeah, after I paid him for it. Okay, good. You paid
1: for it. Yeah,
0: I, I was trying to help you with your Power Wagon way back. In the
1: moment. <laughs> That's awesome. I freaking love. I love those guys, man. Good story we'll have for another time with those those guys in the history with me. Pretty awesome. Way before Scanner Danner, I, I got to know those guys. But it was the guru classes I took. Jim Linder, and I was exposed to those guys. So
0: What year did you go?
1: 2002 to 2004 in that range. I was there for Guru 1, and then I, I did Guru 4, which was the Pico class. Uh, but the Guru 1, I, I was with Randy yeah. Dillman and Don Thornton were – were the two instructors for the week. And man, that was the most impactful. Other than my uh, Dan Spicco, the the guy I talked about who taught me at Rosedale, those two guys in that particular class changed direction for me,
0: for sure. We must have just missed each other because I went probably 2004. Yeah, Randy opens it, the electrical and some lab scope stuff. And then John comes in and Jim does a, a deal about injectors and fuel pumps and Then you get the lab with doug and yep, doug yeah. and greg and in the injector lab and guru four were you on you must have been in maybe one of the very first ones
1: probably it was craig craig yep, who's like the, first the big one. wig who's the big wig with pico now yep, um, craig
0: schoenberger
1: w- uh, yep that's how i got to know craig uh yeah there's we have some history there too so it's pretty cool it must have been the first one i think it was and then I, I upgraded my 80, it was like 212, it was a two channel that was uh, DC or AC powered, you had to plug it into yeah. the wall.
0: Yeah, the ADC then, 212, you maybe had a yep. three or a 50 or there was a 100, but most people got the threes. Yep.
1: I traded it in for a four channel and that's how I got to know Carlos because I, I spoke with him on the phone and he's like, oh, we definitely will trade that in for you. And they gave me a great deal on a four channel and... I just couldn't believe this company. I, I, and I've had this scope for two years, but they're willing to trade it in in for me and this company, AES wave. And how cool is that? Like come full circle. And all these years later, like AES wave and I, like they are the exclusive like provider of my paper book. And like, you know, I plug them all the time because I, I just know the type of people that they are and just an amazing family. and and to be partnered with them too, with this grant we're doing, I, I think I don't, you know, I don't want to talk too much on that, but I mean, it, it's, it's really about our community. And so, you know, how, as a, as a creator, you know, on social media, you have companies that they want to partner with you and then you earn, you know, affiliate revenue. If I, if I plug a company in a tool then you know, you get percentage of of sales, if it's directed through your link and that kind of stuff. And so what, what Carlos and I decided to do is to take any affiliate revenue that I would earn through them, and pull it out. Just save it. When I approached Carlos about this, I was like, "I just want to do this with it. Carlos, can you help me make that happen?" So instead of paying me, can I just direct people to you, and we can give it out a little bit at a time to technicians in need, guys starting out? And Carlos is like, "I'll do you one better." He said, "I'll match yours, dollar for dollar, whatever you give, I'll give too." And so, and how cool is that? Mm. I mean, I just gave a, I gave a guy in in Zimbabwe like a $200 uh, SD grant that ended up being $400 and he bought stuff from AES wave and we shipped it to Zimbabwe. I mean, I, that's pretty freaking cool. Yeah. So they make so it so easy,
0: right? They, it's just, yeah. you know, they're going to take care of the customer and then, you know, they support yep. the profession. They're at yes, the they trade will. shows. Yep, They're sponsoring yep. content or instructors to deliver quality yep. education. Wow. This has been great. Uh, yeah, for sure. Would you do this again? Cause Absolutely. I, to, okay, I mean, good. wow! Talking about IATN and lenders, man, I could sit and talk yeah, to, to you I about know. lenders for another hour, for sure. An AES wave, absolutely. We need to um, do that. I, AES
1: deserves it. I, I, we should yes. do a an AES wave podcast. And I agree. Let's let's talk about some stories about that. I have some I have some other stuff to share too that I, I I didn't share tonight with with Carlos and what he's meant to me too. So let's do it. Huge huge impact that he has had on on my career path of where I'm at right now is a huge part uh in, in large part with was was with some advice from Carlos years and years ago. Indebted forever to those guys.
0: Thank you very much, Paul, for joining me. And
1: yeah, for sure. I mean I, I, just, uh, we'll I do appreciate
0: this. I appreciate your friendship. Uh, I'd love uh just our conversations that have jack and squat to do with cars or uh technology just So glad somehow, some way we got to to get to know each other virtually and then in real life. Me too, man.
1: Me too. We got a lot in common, Matt. So I look forward to, you know, what the future holds for us both and and doing this
0: again and talk Uh, soon. Yeah, we'll talk to you very soon.
1: You've been listening to Matt Fonslow, diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Matt on your favorite listening app. He's very interested in what you have to say. Let him know what you'd like him to cover and come on the show. Matt is all for Advancing the Aftermarket. Find Matt Fonslow on social media and connect. Or on AftermarketRadioNetwork.com.